the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All roads lead to Rome. We've heard that saying ad nauseum. But is it true? Well, today we'll consider one God, one righteousness, one faith. Romans chapter 3, Abounding Grace, coming right up. And again, welcome. This is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today, we turn our thoughts and attention back to the book of Romans. It's been a marvelous journey, and we've just gotten started, really. We're here in chapter 3, verses 21 through 31, as we take a look at one God, one faith, one righteousness. So many people seem to think there are so many ways to God, and God says, nope, sorry, only one. Let's explore that together, shall we? Here's Pastor Gary and today's program. One God, one righteousness, one faith. We're not finished with the righteousness of God in Christ quite yet. We've been looking at it for several weeks now, beginning in verse 21 of chapter 3. But the Holy Spirit knows my heart is more occupied with this life with its trifles, that I am mesmerized even for a moment by heavenly wonders. Yet that is what we have right in front of us today. God's gift of righteousness to us in Jesus Christ. And in verse 27, the first thing Paul reminds us of by way of conclusion is that it must humble us. And that is not only because we are one worthy of the gift, although that is true, but there is something more. All of our pride, any confidence in works or performance of any kind is excluded by our Savior's cross. When he died for us on that tree, what did he show us? Was it that we had some good in us? That there was something in us that deserved God's favor and kindness? No. By the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, our Father revealed to us how low our sins had sunk us, that we were under wrath and judgment. And unless He reached down His hand and drew us up out of the miry pit, we would be forever Condemned before him. Look at our Savior's sufferings. Behold our misery. Look at his being forsaken by God. Look at our alienation from him. For if we can behold in the cross a mirror of our own sunken and fallen condition. And that God himself has come to save us. Oh, we must be done with delusion of personal goodness. Remember the confession of Job. 
that God changes his angels with folly. And if he charges his angels with folly, there's no hope for the sinner. We are all an unclean thing. Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, our righteousness is as filthy minstrel rags before him. Now, as long as men depend upon their own works, whether it be good old Americanism or whether it be old apostate Judaism, there is no room for boasting, even if it's just a little bit. If I have something to bring forth to God, some reason he would look at me with a kindly eye, some reason I could expect some little favor, then there would be some way for me to then take some credit. But I cannot take any credit for what God has done. God's holiness and my sinfulness unite to give us this testimony. Before his holy throne, there is such a gulf between him and me as a miserable sinner that I deserve his anger and judgment forever. Even the holiest most must confess this. Job said, I put my hand upon my mouth. I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Daniel, that holy man, confessed in Daniel 9, 5. We, including himself, have sinned and done wickedly. Daniel was a holy man. Job was a holy man. But seeing God's holiness, all of our holiness is fodder for hell. It is filth. And there is no room for boasting. So our works don't enter into the slightest consideration for our salvation now on what basis though verse 27 is boasting excluded it is by the law it is of works or it is by the law of faith now the law of faith is a strange little phrase to our way of thinking but what the holy spirit is doing is setting forth two different ways of relating to god Two different ways of seeking to be accepted by him and to be declared righteous before his holiness. The one way of works is a dead end. We cannot keep the law. There is absolutely no goodness in us. And if we spent all our days trying to obey God... We could not cleanse the corrupt fountain of our hearts and we could not mount up to his holiness ever. We are fallen. We are struck dumb before his majesty. And the law was never intended in the first place to set forth a way for us sinners to be declared righteous in God's sight. The Jews mess this up tremendously. Let's look at Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 30. Listen to me. The law of God, good and holy, eternal and righteous as God himself is, was never given to us as sinners to say, find your righteousness by obeying God. Perform good enough and God will let you in to his eternal kingdom. Never. Never. Romans 9.30. What shall we say then? 
that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, careless, idolatrous, superstitious, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Notice what he said so far. Gentiles blind and dumb before God's majesty, they are being saved. Paul says in his day, why? Because they look to the righteousness of God, which is by faith. The Jews, they had God's law for a millennium and a half, and they are lost as they can be. They have not attained unto righteousness. Why? Because they misunderstood And they wickedly turned from the purpose of the law. It was never given to mount up to God by our own obedience. In fact, it was to teach us, as he says here, to seek righteousness by faith, not by our own works. Now continue reading in 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. For they, the Jews, being ignorant of God's righteousness or being ignorant of God's holiness and his majesty and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end or he's the goal or the aim of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So Paul says the problem with the Jews or with Judaism as a false religion is not that they were really, really, really concerned about obeying God. No, they were really, really concerned about their own traditions, their own righteousness. So they missed the law and totally misinterpreted it. It wasn't a path for us to obtain justification in our own strength. It never has been. It was to lead us by faith to God's gift of righteousness in Jesus Christ. So in Romans 3.27, does following the law, does following works exclude boasting? No, because then I can take some credit. But the law of faith comes forward. What is the law of faith? Well, very simply, it is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This law is followed when we look away from ourselves and say, I have no righteousness. My best day, my most stellar work, my single moment of what I think of as holiness is filth before the holy God. And that will send me to hell forever unless another righteousness comes forward. The older theologians called that an alien righteousness, meaning from outside of us. God's gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ, that is what we look to. His obedience, not ours. His blood cleansing us. Not any efforts toward that end on our own part. And with respect to justification of 
being righteous before God, these two do not and cannot mix. The law of works and the law of faith. Listen to Romans chapter 11, verse 6. Paul makes the antithesis of this absolute, as indeed it truly is. And if by grace, God's undeserved kindness, then it is no more of works, what we do, what we bring to the table. No more works. Other grace, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it, isn't, uh, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. In other words, these two laws, the laws of works and the law of faith, do not mix when it comes to justification. It is what God has done in Christ, not what we do in and of ourselves. Now, many people today want to mingle these two. Basically, all Americans, except for a very small remnant, want to mingle these two things together. We hear things like, well, I'll do my best, and that will certainly get me something before God, and I hope he will just overlook my deficiencies because I'm doing some good stuff, and I'm certainly not as bad as a lot of other people. There are certainly a lot of other people out there who are a lot worse than I am, Others will say, even some within the church, justification is a process. God does his part, man does his part, and then when you put them all together, we will get righteousness before God. God has made these two things like fire and water. It will be all of grace or it will be all of works. You either mount up to heaven on your own obedience, your own performance, which is not possible, or recognizing your sinfulness and God's holiness, you cast yourself down before the foot of the cross of his son, and you behold his righteousness, the manifestation of his gift to us. There's only one way, says Paul, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must look away from ourselves. Now understand, he says here, no boasting. We forget sometimes that God rules the world to bring down our boasting. Now think with me about this for just a second. God rules the world to bring down our boasting. Look at Romans 138, verse 6. It's not just that God is you know, Mr. Meanie, and he doesn't want anyone boasting but him. For we have nothing to boast in, my friends. Psalm 36, 38, 138, 6. Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. He keeps them at arm's length. In Isaiah 66, 1, we read, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you built unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man we will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart, and trembleth at my word. We must take seriously... 
that that one important point of the gospel, of God's gift of righteousness to us through the obedience of his son, is to humble us and put us where we need to be. Now, this isn't an artificial humility. Listen carefully. This isn't walking around and saying, Oh, woe is me. I'm just so bad. I've got so many problems. Life is so hard. Beloved, that's not humility. That is actually pride. When God says boasting is excluded, he means something very different. He means more than simply we are unworthy of his goodness to us. Because that is a given. He means that we are to see how far we have fallen from the dignity that he created us with. He made us upright, beloved. And we sought out many devious paths on our own. We turned away from him, not him from us. The problem is, though, we as sinners and arrogant sinners at that walk around comparing ourselves to other people. We walk around with our eyes down to the earth and we hardly lift our eyes to God and look at His holiness and His majesty. But when we do, all our pride is cast down and then we realize we have nothing unless He comes to us by His grace And gives us his son. Then our boast becomes. God forbid that I should boast. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 1.29. Yet not I. But God's grace labors in me. All of my boast must be in God. And you know, we can't really praise God until we are humbled like that. Until we stop thinking about ourselves so much. When we come to worship God on Sunday afternoon, how do we come? I mean, are we really not thinking more of ourselves than thinking of Him? Are we praising Him for what He has done? And as long as we spend our weeks thinking mostly about ourselves and what we are going through and what we've got to do, that it's all about me, then it's never our minds and eyes are never set on Christ. They're set on us because it's about my life. It's about what I'm going through. That is why Paul, as he writes to believers here, says, The Holy Spirit keeps our attention before this righteousness so that we will look at God and his goodness and his love in Christ and his faithfulness to his covenant. And the greater we see him, the more magnificent we see his righteousness. And then our boasting recedes and our pride goes down. Then something else begins to take its place. Praise Thankfulness, humility before others, a willingness to confess our sins for God reigns to bring down our pride and to exclude 
our boasting except in him. If we saw life for what it really is, without embarrassment, every time someone compliments us about anything, no matter how trivial, such as, honey, that was the best soup I ever had. Oh, my love, God fed you with that soup. Give thanks to him. Every bit of health, every breath of oxygen, every clean glass of water, everything. God did this. In fact, Jesus Christ secured this blessing for me by being cursed in my place because he was the seed of Abraham who secured all the blessings of the covenant so that everything I have, everything you have, comes directly through his mediation and through his spilled blood for all of us. No boasting except in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the boss says to you, man, you did a really good day's work today, should you say, thanks, I thought I did? No. You will tell your boss as a way to witness to him and to set yourself up as someone to watch, to see if your life backs up your words. God enables me to do this. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm just stating the truth. If there, if, if there is anything in me that is at all good, God put it there. Not me, not anyone else, not my environment. God did it. You see, we need to think seriously about what was in Adam's heart when he ate that fruit. There was wicked ingratitude and audacity unmatched in the annals of human history as supreme arrogance. What did he do? He listened to Satan. You will be as gods. And Adam said, I will define good and evil for myself. And since that moment, a leprous pride has lodged in our hearts that enslaves the high and the mighty, the rich and the poor in everything from the inability and the unwillingness to admit wrongdoings, even in the smallest things. Do any of you live with a spouse or are you that spouse that no matter what happens, I am not going to admit that I am wrong. I'm always going to find a way to explain how this is not my fault. How it is really your fault or someone else's fault. It's just a small thing, we think. No, it wrecks relationships over time and creates incredible eccentricities and oddities. But this is one area that pride comes to expression, beloved. Other times, it is the incredible link to which we will go to hide our sins from ourselves and from other people. You see, that is what pride does to us. Pride literally makes us ugly. It makes us selfish. It makes us pretenders. Pride makes us hiders. It makes us liars. And nothing, as in verse 28, brings down our pride. Nothing than being confronted with the declaration right there in that verse that if we are to have righteousness before God, our works do not come into consideration at 
all. Why? Because we don't have any. We have nothing good to offer to our God. And you need to take this seriously. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Dot org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.